and here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Hello there and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. It is Tuesday, December the 19th, about 9.15 a.m. Central Time. I am your host, Rob Howe. This is a solo podcast for the uninitiated. And I send out a request for questions from you guys. Um, And sometimes you send me questions even when I don't request them or before I request them. So appreciate that. I I don't have a ton today, which makes sense. There's not a a whole lot going on right now. It was a finals week last week, so a limited amount of action uh, for the winter sports. And then obviously uh, Iowa, Iowa football is in preparations for the January 1st Citrus Bowl against Tennessee and Orlando. Uh, so not a lot of stuff on the docket today. I did learn yesterday. If you, uh, if you include, if, if you type in Donald Trump in a, in a tweet, in a tweet, tweet or, uh, Twitter X, uh, <laughs> you get some weird responses, uh, like auto responses, not the responses from some people who want to mix things up politically, but, um, yesterday, uh, at the uh, football press conference, we had uh, the four All-Americans, uh, Cooper DeGene, Sebastian Castro, Jay Higgins, and Tory Taylor. Uh, and last week, Tory Taylor went to a Donald Trump rally in Coralville and uh, was shouted out by the former president. And uh, so Tory was asked about that yesterday at the press conference on uh, Monday. December the 18th. And uh, you can check out that video on my uh, feed if you've not seen it. And he explains why he was there. Um, And uh, so I tweeted that out and I put, you know, basically that he wanted to go and see what it was like. And uh, I got a bunch of responses for I could get T-shirts and hats and figurines and bobbleheads and all this other stuff uh, that's being marketed about Donald Trump. And I just laughed at it and then basically just muted or blocked whoever sent that that bullshit because I don't had nothing to do with a political one way or the other. I don't like solicitation like that on my social media feed. And it's gotten worse. Uh, Since the new ownership took over, Twitter is not better. It's worse. And uh, coffee sip, like one thing that I noticed, I went to DM Jimmy Sullivan, the new uh, quarterback commit that Iowa got on Saturday from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, He has open DMs and I went to DM him. We don't follow each other, but I went to DM him. And it said, I have to buy a premium membership in order to send a DM. That was not the case before. When people had open DMs, you could just send them a, a, a DM, right? And uh, I did, I, I've done that for years to get a hold of recruits and ask them about their commitments and their interest in Iowa. Well, Twitter's taken that away, and I'll be damned if I'm paying anything for that platform. Uh, not happening, but... 
All right, I'm off my soapbox. That's that. If you want to see the Tory Taylor video, it's on my feed. Uh, there are some people mixing it up. If you feel like mixing it up politically, um, I made a couple comments uh, when uh, one of my colleagues was disparaged, uh, and that's about it on the whole thing, and uh, blocked a few people, muted a few people, uh, and we got went to bed last night. We got up today and moved on. Uh, signing day is tomorrow, Wednesday, December the 20th, uh, kicks off the early signing period. Uh, and that will run tomorrow, the 20th until Friday, the 22nd. And that's signing letters of intent, uh, binding letters of intent. I don't know how binding those things are anymore now with some of the court rulings about transferring and unlimited transfers and all that other stuff. I'm not really sure what the, what the letters of intent even mean anymore, but. Regardless, we're going through the dog and pony show tomorrow, and it's nice for the student athletes to be able to have celebrations at their, you know, at their respective schools. Uh, friends and family come, they sign their letter of intent, make it official where they're going. I know I saw Cody Fox is doing that up in Winthrop uh, at East Buchanan High School at eight o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Derek Weiskopf, um is doing that in Williamsburg tomorrow morning before school. So uh, a lot of the schools around the state will hold those signing day. Um, what do you call it? Uh, kind of ceremonies, if you will. And uh, those are pretty cool. If you have a chance to go, uh, they're pretty cool. They're emotional. A lot of times the parents and coaches are there and it's the, it's the end of, you know, a, a journey that these people have been on. And then, you know, next year when they get to Iowa will be, the beginning of a new journey. So um, very cool, very cool. I think Iowa has 20 or 21, I think it's 21 uh, prep recruits now. Um, got the uh, the punter out of uh, Australia that we had all heard about, but had been wait, waiting. Uh, reason, I think it's Dakin, Dakin, Dakin. Uh, not sure. I know his first name is Reese. Uh, we haven't had uh, any contact he was one of those guys that has an open dm and i can't contact him unless i buy premium x twitter and uh i ain't doing that if my company wants to do it and i really don't work for a company i'm an independent contractor but if one of the companies i work for chooses to pay for that that would be great um we've got some home basketball this week to uh tomorrow night uh will be the iowa men at home at Carver Hawkeye Arena, and they will be playing Maryland Baltimore County. Uh, that is a 7 p.m. tip off. Uh, I think it's on the Big Ten network, but I'm not positive. Uh, could be on one of the other streaming platforms. The women, the Iowa women, will play at five o'clock on Thursday, December the 21st. Five o'clock. That's on Big Ten Plus. Uh, and that's against Loyola, Chicago, and it's holiday sweater night. So wear your ugly sweaters to Carver uh, this uh, Thursday, 5 p.m. Uh, at Carver. And uh, those games are sold out, but uh, I'm sure you can probably get uh, find tickets on the secondary market as well. Uh, let's see here. Wrestling, uh, next up for wrestling will be the soldier salute at extreme arena. And that is Friday, December the 29th, Saturday, the 30th. Um, that is women's wrestling as well, uh, as men's wrestling. 
that's over there at uh, Extreme Arena. I went there last year. Really cool event. Would recommend that for folks that like wrestling or even are novice fans. Go over and check that out. Um, the and that's uh, that's the that's the next um, competition for both the men and women. So no wrestling until uh, uh, ten days away uh, between the two holidays. So. I think that's pretty much it. Caitlin Clark won another um, Big Ten Player of the Week honor on Monday. Uh, that is her 22nd, so she wears number 22, and she has 22. She is one behind Megan Gustafson for the all-time record of Players of the Week. Um, Megan has 23. I, I have a feeling Caitlin will will be able to catch that <laughs> this year, and certainly if she were to come back next year, and then Owen Freeman, his fourth freshman of the week, Big Ten freshman of the week honor also was announced on Monday. And that is a program record, the most ever by a Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball freshman uh, for this year for Owen Freeman already. Um, he's really, really had a nice start to his college career and excited to see where it goes from here. Coffee sip, then we'll get into your questions. All right, I need to bring up my script, too, so I don't forget to read that. I'll do that after I ask, answer a few of your questions. Uh, this, one, this one is from Trip Manfro at PFAT51 on Twitter X. Uh, he sent this on the 16th. It is now the 19th. Let, you can be like Trip and send your questions or comment anytime during the week uh, at hashtag HFmail, and I will go and find those and uh, start where I left off the previous week, which I've, I've done here. For some unknown reason last night, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of questions in the, the hopper this morning, and I'm not um, filibustering here. I'm just kind of free-flowing and uh, <laughs> freestyle. Um, but I, I, instead of using the hashtag, when I sent out my tweet last night soliciting questions and comments, as I do each Monday night, uh, and thank, thank you to Kevin uh, for reminding me last night I was out shooting uh, girls' high school wrestling up at Liberty High for another of my employers. And uh, – had spaced out that today was the mailbag podcast day. So Kevin reminded me last night and I, instead of using the hashtag, I used at HF mail. There's actually um, an account for that. Uh, and I don't know they have, it hasn't tweeted or done anything yet, but I mistakenly put at HF mail instead of hashtag HF mail. So apologies for that. If it threw anybody off or didn't get to people. Um, but uh we move on. And uh, Tripp's question is, what is the minimum number of Iowa men's varsity hoops wins needed for 2024 NIT inclusion? I don't think it's a set amount of wins. Um, I know conference champions, at least that used to be. I should probably bring this up because it seems like the, the uh, NIT – tournament seems to change its rules quite frequently. Um, and this is from, uh, this is the new one. Okay. So this is from um, 
the 27th of October, and it says the NIT Board of Managers announced changes that impact how teams qualify. Um, For the 2024 NIT, which is this season, conference regular season champions that do not win their conference tournaments or are not otherwise selected by the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Championship will not receive an automatic bid to the NIT. So previously, the champions of leagues that didn't win their conference tournament and were not selected by the NCAA tournament automatically got into the NIT. That is no longer the case. Instead, the NIT will guarantee two teams based on net rankings from each of six conferences, ACC, Big East, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC. The top two teams in the net rankings not qualifying for the NCAA tournament, the big dance, from each conference, regardless of win-loss record, will be selected. Additionally, the 12 teams automatically selected will be guaranteed the opportunity to host a game for the first round of the NIT. So basically, if Iowa is one of the top two teams, I read this before, and now it's coming back to me. Trip, if Iowa is one of the top two Big Ten teams in the net that that aren't selected for the NCAA tournament, they would get into the NIT regardless of what the record is. So it's not based on record. And uh, once the 12, so basically those are the automatic qualifiers, are those 12. And then after that, um, the NIT committee will select the 20 best teams available to compete to complete the field. So my guess is there aren't going to be many mid or low majors in this thing. It's going to be mostly power five schools, which for TV purposes, um, I think that brings more attention. Uh, it's better for the power fives, the rich get richer, however you want to frame it. But uh, uh, it also says, based on the NIT committee's evaluation, the best four teams of the 20 at-large teams selected will complete the 16 first-round hosts. So 16 teams will host. It's going to be the best. And I guess they're going – some of it's based on – Net rankings, and and you can find it. Just Google basketball net rankings, and you can see where Iowa is right now and where it ranks in terms of um, Big Ten teams and the net rankings. But I think you finish mid, mid-conference, mid you know, middle of the Big Ten, you're probably in, but there aren't any set stipulations, like a 500 record. And I think that's good because – it encourages some teams to play tougher schedules, uh, which we need. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for you, Trip. Hopefully, that answers your question. Uh, so, keep an eye on the net rankings this year. That which which will determine um, who gets in to the NIT of the teams that don't make it um, don't make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Jesse Lucier at Jesse underscore Lucier on Twitter. Uh, this is from uh, last night or yesterday. Uh, do you think Riola as do you think they'll start Riola as a true freshman? When's the last time a true freshman quarterback started in the Big Ten? Did it go well? Um, 
I'm trying to think the last time. I, I don't I can't remember that closely. Um he's a talented kid. Uh starting as a true freshman is not easy. Um Iowa was kind of in that position back in 2003 when Drew Tate was a true freshman and he was Nathan Chandler's backup that year. Had something happened to Nathan, Tate would have been the guy in. Similarly, um, 2000 would have been 2016. Uh, C.J. Beathard's last year, Nate Stanley was the backup quarterback as a true freshman and likely would have played had Beathard gone down. Tyler Wiggers was there. I, you know, maybe he goes in just having more experience. I don't know. But I, those are, at least during the Kirk Ferentz era, those are the two examples of guys that were, you know, in position to play early. Um, we saw this year that uh, at best – Marco Linnaeus was third team uh, quarterback for Iowa. So, yeah, it's not easy to do. This kid seems like, uh, you know, they put a lot of eggs in his basket. Um, I'm of the belief anymore for, for especially programs that are having difficulty developing quarterbacks or evaluating them on the recruiting trail out of the prep ranks, just go get an experienced guy. Get a guy in the portal that's done it somewhere. It's going to cost you a little bit more money, but you have an idea of what you're getting there. Um, I, I would not be surprised to see Iowa take that path. I know they're signing high school kids, and if those guys come in and show right away that they have the aptitude uh, to play early, right away or early, good, and uh, maybe you work them in and you don't worry about the transfer portal when it's their time, Um or, or the you know, you get to the point where, okay, we're ready to roll with this guys because ideally that's what you would like. You would like to have a guy you can play for three years, uh, start for three years. But I think that's just going to be harder and harder to do as we move forward here. And uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know the Nebraska depth chart that well. Um, I know, is it, was it Heinrich Hark? Harb, his last name began with an H, too. I apologize. Harb. Heinrich something like that uh, for Nebraska. Now I got to look him up. Uh, Nebraska quarterback Harburg. Heinrich Harburg. I think he has he has he transferred. Um, I don't think he has. So he's um, he has the potential to compete for the job next year. Jeff Sims tr uh, transferred out. I think. I don't know what else their depth chart looks like, but I'm guessing they told um, Rayola that he has a chance to play right away, uh, which he would have been would have been harder for him to do at Georgia. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um, they have a lot of problems on offense that they need to figure out, but maybe getting the quarterback situation figured out for them is uh, the best place to start. It's actually a good place to start for everybody. <laughs> um, uh, but sometimes that doesn't happen. Another one from Jesse before we take our first break, our first and only break of this podcast. I know you follow volleyball more than most. I do. Both daughters play and I and I work for a prep volleyball site. I don't really follow Hawkeye volleyball too much outside of checking in if they won or lost each week. 
but I know the Big Ten is very good. What are some reasons Iowa struggles so much as a program? Thanks. It's a good question, Jesse, and uh, you're right. Part of it is the strength of the Big Ten. Big Ten is uh, is is really good. I mean, four you know, two of the four teams in the Final Four this year: Wisconsin and Nebraska, um, and then it was Texas and Pitt. Um, Texas ended up beating Wisconsin and Nebraska to win the title, uh, kind of an upset based on rankings. But uh, Texas had won the championship last year, so it can't be that big of an upset. Anyway, I digress. I think it's a it there are a, a few issues. But the main issue is Iowa high school volleyball is is pretty good. It, it's not Texas. It's not California. Um, I, I don't know where it would rank among states, but it produces some high-level kids. Uh, Louisville is one of the top programs in the country. Um, Peyton Peterson from Dyke New Hartford is going there next year. And then uh, Chloe Meester uh, from Mount Vernon, who is a 2025, has already committed to Louisville. So those are two kids right there. Now, Peterson's mom coaches at UNI, and her sister is going, her twin sister is going to UNI to play for her mom. And uh, so the chances of getting Peterson to go to Iowa would probably be be difficult. If she was going to stay in state, she would probably go to Northern Iowa. Um, but Meester... Uh, who is the daughter of Brad Meester, former offensive lineman from Northern Iowa, Applington, Parkersburg, um, and the NFL. Um, that's the type of kid that's 20 minutes up the road that you, I don't know what it would take. But then you've got, you know, Bliss Beck, a middle into the 2024 class, who's going to Drake. And then um, Abby Hayes from North Scott is a 25. She's going to Creighton. All of the top players in the state are leaving for the most part. They're getting, I was getting a few here or there, but until they can keep the in-state kids to build up the program, to make it more respectable, to then have a snowball effect of being able to add, I, you got to, you have to raise the, somehow you have to figure out how to get the program to a higher level and then you can keep the in-state kids in state. Now, do you do that by getting the in-state kids first and building with them? Ideally, I think that's what you would like to do, but that doesn't seem to be happening right now. I had heard a couple of those kids had considered Iowa, and some of them were real close, and then they ended up going somewhere else. So um, Iowa State's gotten a couple. Uh, Kenzie Dean the 2024 from West Des Moines Dowling is going to Kansas. I, I could keep going on this. The top players in the state are not staying home. And, you know, and in fairness, they're not going to UNI and Iowa State either. Well, some of them are going to Iowa State. Uh, there's a, a libero from Dowling uh, that's going to Iowa State. But Iowa's just – I don't know how you do it. Maybe you hit the transfer portal and do what you can to build it that way, but uh, they did not win a Big Ten match this year. Uh, They were 0-20 in the Big Ten, and uh, it's hard to recruit when you're 0-20. Nobody wants to lose. So you need to convince some of the top in-state players that they can be part of the the foundation of a rebuild. Um, To me, that's the way you do it. Basically, Iowa's players aren't good enough. Um, is it, you know, is the coach good enough? He's, I think he's had two seasons now. He's trying to rebuild, but again, he's not keeping the top players in state. 
like his predecessors had trouble doing. So I think until you figure that out, make it make it um, attractive to go to Iowa to play volleyball. There is going there are going to continue to be struggles because it's not just Wisconsin and Nebraska. It's Penn State. It's Minnesota. It's Purdue. It's you go down the list. There are, I think all of those teams made the NCAA tournament. I mean, half the conference makes it often. So, um, but Iowa needs to at least climb up into the middle first, and then maybe they can build recruiting-wise. But you asked me a volleyball question, and I went off there, and I'm sure not many people are, are interested. I'm glad you are, Jesse. I love volleyball and uh, enjoy watching it and covering it and scouting it and all that good stuff and would love to see Iowa um, raise the level of play in its program. And we'll see what that happens. We'll see if and when that can happen. All right, folks, support for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. That is SUI.org, Systems Unlimited, doing outstanding work in our community for over 50 years, uh, and we really appreciate support their support of this podcast let's hear from a few more of our sponsors i'll be back on the other side to uh continue on with your questions hi i'm jim street owner of streets maintenance as a licensed insured and bonded master plumber i specialize in all plumbing repairs including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements for more information about my business i'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and facebook or give me a call at 400-4483 Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. Do you need a great electrical contractor or fire and water restoration specialist? Well, contact Lance Bolin at LB Electric and LJ Construction in North Liberty. Lance has served the corridor for many years and is ready to help you. Call Lance Bolin at 319-640-1116. That's 319-640-1116. Or visit LJ underscore construction on Instagram for licensed and insured electrical work, fire and water restoration, and remodeling. Straight from the Man Cave Kinnick Under the Kitchen, authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight. Plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. And we are back here on the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. As I said, not a lot of questions today, but good ones from some regulars that checked in, and I appreciate that. We power through here with 44MLess at 44MLess on Twitter. 
Hi, Rob. Since the playoff format will change next year, how do you see the non-conference schedule going to play out in the future? Will Iowa and other schools, especially in the Big Ten and SEC, schedule cupcakes, and should they? Well, I hope that strength of schedule is a factor when separating schools. So, this excuse me, the schools will have a choice. Do we schedule, do we keep an Iowa State on the schedule? Or do we go to a, a lower Sun Belt team or something like that? Uh, American Conference, Mountain West, whatever. Um, FCS. Do we schedule them? more, Or do we schedule a Power Five like Iowa State to make sure that we supplement our Big Ten schedule? Now, the Big Ten schedules should theoretically be more difficult and more balanced now without divisions. Uh, with rotating opponents, locations. So, obviously, Iowa has, you know, it's Minnesota, Nebraska, uh, Wisconsin trio of protected rivalries. So, I don't know. It's a good question. I think for the SEC, they mostly schedule cupcakes anyway, unless it's Alabama or Georgia. They have it. They'll they'll play Notre Dame or whatever. They'll play bigger uh, name programs. Uh, but they also, um, when they schedule cupcakes, I mean, it's really low-level um, competition, and I think that will continue. But I'm not sure there'll be a big shakeup, Les. I think, you know, it's just basically you looked at the CFP final standings and say, okay, these are the 12 teams. Um, you know, you'd have to, I, I'd have to go through those those teams and schedules and maybe some of the teams behind them and say, okay, this team cost itself being in the top 12 maybe by scheduling a tough non-conference game. But as long as there are three non-conference games, I think there, I think the schedules will remain relatively the same in terms of competition. Um, now, if the Big Ten were to go to 10 conference games or, or one of the other conferences – Power Five conferences were to do that. I think that changes the landscape a little bit because it would be tough to schedule 10 conference games, then another Power Five and only have – and then plus you, you schools are pretty set and determined and locked into playing seven home games for revenue purposes. So the, you know, Iowa wants seven games at home every year, um, and would they be able to do that? I mean, it would be five and five – uh, if they went to 10 conference games and then, you know, I guess they could get two more home games and then, you know, the years they would play at Iowa state. So that's a possibility. Um, so I, it's when, when you kind of lay it out that way, I, I just, I, it's probably going to be relatively the same, um, but there could be schools that say, let's not risk it. Let's, Let's make sure we pile up as many wins as we can and we'll play these cupcakes. And not only that, we'll destroy them. So we'll do what we're supposed to do when we play a cupcake. That way it will not be frowned upon by the committee. So, and I think they do that in the SEC. Another one from Les. How about my Regals boys basketball? Started off slow, but have gone on a winning streak. You're right about this coach. He really is the real deal. Also, I enjoy looking at your photos of the Regals and other teams. Happy holidays to you and your family. Same to you, Les. This is the last mailbag podcast before uh, Christmas on Monday. So 
Happy holidays to all of you folks as well. Thank you to Les for sharing that. And yeah, I've been impressed. I've seen uh, seen Regina. I saw them play Tipton at Extreme Arena and was very impressed. Very well coached. And give the kids credit too because they they bought in. You you can see that they're bought in and uh, really impressed. Uh, some nice players, some nice freshmen on that team. Looking forward to seeing, uh, open my eyes with the win at West Branch because I, I respect West Branch's program uh, and some of the players on that squad. So that was a that was an eye-opener for me. And that was the night after the Regals beat Tipton. So they were playing, you know, two games in two days and still were able to go to West Branch and get that win, which was uh, which was impressive. So looking forward. Best, best of luck to you and your Regals, Les. Uh, Kevin Melker, who uh, alerted me to <laughs> to uh reminded me i should say to tweet out that there is a mailbag podcast today which i did after and i thanked kevin in that tweet um and melker uh kevin asked me could brian land a spot with tim polish staff at ndsu i think it would be a good move um that would be a huge pay cut i don't know what offensive coordinators Tim is pretty involved with the offense, though, so I think he's going to have a big hand in what uh, what the uh, Bison do from an offensive standpoint. So from that standpoint, I'm not sure it works. Plus, I think Brian would probably be better off going somewhere like you know NFL or a Power Five as an offensive line coach. I think he could make more money there, and it keeps him at a higher level in terms of moving up. I'm not sure him going to NDSU as the offensive coordinator, especially w- when future employers know that Polisek is a big part of what they're doing offensively. I'm not sure how much that helps, Brian, um, but I don't know. At this point in his life, he's made a lot of money. His dad has more money than the, than this generation could probably spend in a lifetime. So I don't think money is a problem. Uh, or an issue or a concern. It, I mean, he wants to make money, obviously, but I think it's more about fit for him and finding a place where he can go and just coach. Um, I'm sure he has some scars from going through what he's gone through here. Um, much of it self-inflicted. Um, you know, three years in a row of people watching that offense, not all his fault. A lot of it falls at the feet of his father, um, but he's the one that's gotten most of the blowback for it. And I'm sure he's kind of uh, disenchanted a little bit now with uh, with the, the college football scene and things that go with it. I mean, it, you grow up and you watch your, your dad go through it. It's different when it's you're the one that's in the crosshairs, so to speak. So I'm not sure where he is. Maybe Brian would be better off taking a year away and then just kind of going around you know, going to different camps and trying to pick up some different things uh, from an offensive standpoint, if that's what he wants to do, run the offense again. Coffee sip. Um, but it's a it's not a bad idea, Kevin. Uh, I could see that as a possibility. Uh, if the feeling was mutual, I don't know what their uh, relationship was like when Tim was here. Um, obviously, he worked under Brian uh, as his offensive line coach, so there has to be some type of relationship there, um, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure what type of fit it would be. I don't know the relationship that well. Uh, Clint Harms at Until Game on Twitter. Could a company with NIL pay for an athlete's tuition, thus, in a way, creating an extra scholarship? For example, 
Could Gatorade pay Caitlin Clark's tuition, make her a walk-on, and free up room to get another scholarship player? I think there's – I think – I don't know if it's fully – like that would be like full on everything, you know, cost of attendance, everything, scholarship. But I, I've I've wondered this myself, and I think this is happening more – at Iowa from a walk-on perspective, if you've seen the last two cycles, Iowa's gotten walk-ons from that were headed to, you know, South Dakota State, some of the better FCS programs to walk on at Iowa. Uh, Jalen Thompson, a walk-on freshman tight end this year who went to Dowling, had an offer from Northern Illinois, was committed to Northern Illinois, and instead walked on at Iowa. Those guys are being taken care of in a way that walk-ons have not been taken care of in the past. There's more there for them. So it's not like, hey, um, I'm going in to Iowa or Iowa State or, you know, Missouri or wherever, and I have to pay for everything. And I'm going to stack up loans and, you know, have to deal with this for the rest of my life. That is being eased right now, which makes it much more attractive for walk-ons to take their shot at a power five. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe get a, you know, go to Iowa Western or, or go to another level and get a scholarship. But these guys are being taken care of in that way. I would think that there is some type of stipulation that the NIL cannot completely pay for cost of attendance, like the whole thing, but I think you can get enough of it to, help supplement what the scholarship is. Um, and, but it's a good question. And I don't know if that's the case. I'll look into it, Clint, a little bit more. Um, but it's a question that I thought of and we'll see if the, if the first time it's done like that, um, because I, it could be happening now for all we know. The NIL, there's no transparency at all. So we don't know. I mean, some of those guys that are walking on at Iowa could be getting pretty much everything covered. You know, when I when I talk about kids that are not going to the FCS or whatever, and if somebody in the SEC isn't doing it yet, they will be if it's legal. Um, but it's so it's there's just so much um it's a word I'm looking for. Uh, gray area when it comes to the NIL. There's just, you don't know. You, you have no idea. You don't know when Iowa gets, you know, for Cade McNamara, for instance, I've heard like two or three different figures that Iowa gave him, but there's no, there's no way of knowing how much, I, you know, did Iowa pay more for him and they could have gotten somebody as good or better, cheaper. I don't know. Um, and those are the type of things that I think, um, and I'll, I'm Justin Frerichs has some questions here that kind of piggyback off of this. So I'll go into those. Um, Justin Frerichs at JJF27 has a couple for me, uh, one football, one basketball. Can you explain the details recently proposed by the NCAA where colleges could directly pay players? Would this be able, would this be able to end pay for play? Do you see this as an improvement over how things are right? So the proposal is to um, 
have the NI and we're seeing this a little bit. Iowa's kind of incorporating NIL into its athletic department. Um, the swarm collective, the being much more it's there back when it started with Gary Barter, there was, he did not, he did not embrace it. Um, I think Beth Getz has done a better job of working with the collective and Iowa is helping the collective set up, up NIL opportunities for the student athletes. Excuse me, I'm congested today, but I think that is kind of a step along the way. The schools want control of this again. They want to control what these players are getting, and they want to have an idea of what these players are getting because the NIL collective just being rogue out there working on their own can be counterproductive if the football program is getting all of the NIL money. It should get a, a big chunk of it because it's it's going to cost more to be competitive in that on that landscape. But if they set up a pay, basically a salary that's coming out of the university, it would be coming through kind of an NIL collective, but then maybe the collectives go away at some point and it just becomes, hey, this is what we're – you know, we're on the recruiting trail. We're getting high school kids. We're getting kids out of the transfer portal. And this is what we're paying them. And, you know, then the, for tax purposes, all that other stuff, that leads to transparency. Um, and everything is under the, like the one umbrella. It's so it basically is pay for play. Um, not literally, you're not. What's the way I want to frame this? You're not being, you're being paid before you play. That's that's kind of what the setup would be. But there are just so many different layers and um, tentacles to, to this discussion. And what there, to me, there needs to be some type of system where the players the NCAA players, especially at the highest level, have representation and can go into bargaining with the member schools. So there's representation, just like you would see, you know, with the players union in professional athletics and the owners. It would be similar to that, a similar setup where um, they that everybody has a seat at the table. And that's really what the players wanted initially. If you go back to Kane Coulter, he wanted a seat at the table. The NCAA fought that off. They fought it off, fought it off, took it all the way to the Supreme Court and got its ass kicked. So now we're in a position where the NCAA no longer has hand, George Costanza reference. So the the student athletes have, have some leverage and power now. So they're... It'd be great if there was a way to have a national or maybe it's just by conference have representation for the players. But that's that's kind of where I think it would be most it, it makes the most sense. That's what makes the most sense to me in terms of a setup is making it so both parties go to a bargaining table and each party leaves. Maybe they're not, maybe they don't feel like they got the best of the deal. But both parties are happy with what was settled. I think that's the way to do it. Um, if it gets to that point, I don't know. I trying to, you know, 
figure out and rely on the NCAA to do something, do the right thing. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And it's not, it's reactive, always has been, won't be proactive. So there you have it. All right. Last one from Justin and we'll get the heck out of here. Any insights into why DeSante Bowen isn't getting more minutes with Joe Tucson? It seemed like he turned it over too much and played out of control too often. Seems like he'd be a nice, he'd be nice to have right now. Bowen's assist to turnover ratio is excellent. I don't get it. I'm just not sure that Fran is getting out of, I think it's beyond the assist to turnover ratio. It's running the offense and getting good shots. And that starts with the point guard. And Fran hasn't been able to do that. He's tried, he tried Josh Dix at the position. He's tried Brock Harding at the position, DeSante Bowen, as you mentioned. I'm not sure he's happy with either. Oh, any, because I know that the focus right now is on Iowa's defense, which has not been good, but Iowa needs to play well on offense to complement its defense. There's that complementary uh, system again. But if Iowa's missing its shots, not getting good shots on offense, then gets into a position where it's scrambling on defense, that's when it's the worst at defense. If it can get back and set up, it's got a chance when it's scrambling. It just, it doesn't look right. And they look dis- disconnected on that floor a lot of times because they're disconnected on the offensive end. And I think Fran is looking at that disconnection being at his point guard spot and the inability to get Iowa into what it wants to do offensively, especially in the half court. Um, DeSante, I think has the potential to be a good point guard and to get, it's just, I'm not sure he's seeing the floor well right now. It's sometimes you see him drive in the lane and there's indecision. He's not, you know, he's not seeing openings. He's not seeing open. He doesn't know when to go for himself, when to pass, who the proper pass is, needs to go to not always, but too often. And that, I think, is kind of the next development stage for his game. I think Fran would love to not have to play Tony Perkins at the point guard. He just feels like that's his best option right now of getting Iowa into its offense. That's what I got for you. I don't know if that's exactly uh, the the thinking, but being around Fran and watching his program, that's kind of where I land on on how the points are being divided or points, the minutes are being divided. I think that's it. Let me go back here to make sure that I haven't missed anybody. Uh, Let's see. Don't see anything. Let me just make sure there's nothing underneath my solicitation that I may have missed. Um, Nope, I think I got them all. All right. Well, thank you guys uh, for sending in your questions. Thanks so much for listening. To the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. And thank you, especially to our sponsors, for allowing us to bring you these podcasts free of charge. No Patreon, any of that stuff. Uh, we post it, you listen. Uh, so if you could subscribe and like our podcast, that always helps as well. Um, I don't I don't like doing that. I feel it's kind of icky, but uh, if you do like it, it wouldn't hurt and put us in a position where we uh, get a little bit more Um attraction again we get more questions we make the mailbag better um but for the folks that listen to this and not to the hotspot podcast that i do on thursday with scott Dockerman, which we'll do this week again at 9 a.m live streamed uh happy holidays have a great time have a be safe enjoy 
time with family and friends and uh, be nice to each other. All right, folks, until Thursday or next mailbag, peace.